everyone, and welcome back to the AdCast, a podcast for the study of modern visual culture. I'm your resident Lolita Angel Renu. And I'm your Kusobichi Angel Soup. <laughs> this week, at stands for Anarchy Tatas, because <laughs> we'll be talking about panty and stocking with garter belt. Um, but before we get into that, what have we been up to? That is a good, good question. Um... <laughs> I have not been up to anything, I think. Yeah, really? well, that's it. I, I, I like really don't, <laughs> I don't have anything to say. Um, I don't have anything to say here. Uh, that's all right. I mean, I think like the only thing of note is that we're, we're getting pretty, pretty close to the end of, uh, of, uh, the first, uh, Ace Attorney game. Um, yeah. So, yeah. One of the last, uh, trial case, whatever. <laughs> we're, we're in the last case. I hope we can get it done this week um which is funny because when the episode comes out it'll be yesterday i hope we have a finished yesterday <laughs> yes <laughs> um because uh well i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be here the, the week after that um i have oh. to i have to go do some stuff so oh yeah uh <clears throat> i will i will be taking a little, little break from streaming um for a couple of weeks uh so i can go up to oregon and um you know, hang out. Oh, be kawaii. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, that's that's really all I've been up to. Um, I've mostly just been. Um, I I think it's because I spent the last like week or so in in the kind of like I don't want to get out of bed mood. Mm, so that's big mood. Yeah. Other other than that, like it's just it's just work, right? Um, mm. I just I, it's just it's just work. So. Mm-hmm. Um. A boring answer, but that's what I've been up to. It's all right. <laughs> what have you been? I up have to, those too. <laughs> um, I well, I already told you a bit about this, but right, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we had an ice storm. It was crazy. And yeah, the South is not equipped for this kind of thing. <laughs> no, it it absolutely is not. It was it was very funny where um, yeah. we had this moment of collective rec- uh, realization. The day after, we're like, man, Renu didn't show up for anime night. I wonder if she's okay. <laughs> like, normally she says something if she's not here. It's it's so weird. It's so weird. And then the other the next day, he's like, guys, I finally got power back. We're like, oh, that's right, Texas. <laughs> oh no. I mean, it was it was wild because it wasn't even that I had gotten power back. It was because our neighborhood was just a complete dead zone for data because I guess everyone was you know using data um, and maybe. I would assume that because not only people were all using their data, but also because maybe one of the cell towers nearby went down as well. Yeah. That yeah, yeah. Um, we just had no signal. And so we, it wasn't until we left um, that day after the first out, no, the first day of out of the outage that um, we went, we drove down a couple exits to find like an open store to go buy stuff, <laughs> you know, food and whatnot. And uh, that was when I finally got signal. Um, wow, and I wow. was able to contact you guys. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Monday when we don't really have anime night, it, it was completely just there's no power and the house was cold and everything. And then day two, there was still no power and the house was getting colder. So we had to go and find like firewood and stuff like that. And fortunately, Jeez. like one of our uh, one of our neighbors um, donated some to us and they were really nice about it. Um, and uh yeah, so we were able to like 
maintain the temperature of the house, which I think at its lowest um, dropped down to 55, which isn't like bad, bad. You know, the cats were still fine and we were still fine, but it was definitely right, like yeah. we were under blankets kind of deal. <laughs> De- definitely a little colder than you would you would want it to be for a human habitation. Yeah, um, just a little bit. Right. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, thankfully we were able to, you know, find uh, or ha- get resources donated to us so that it didn't get any colder than that. So nice. we were nice. lucky in that regard. Um, and uh, yeah, and then the next day we got like it's like bits of power right like for a couple hours power came on and then turned off and then turned on kind of deal and then by thursday it was stabilized so right yeah yeah (laughs) it always i will say it always feels like the end of the world when both the power and the cell signal go out i had that happen a couple times (laughs) while i was uh at college which Mm -hmm. uh which was like, let me tell you, there's um, there's there's nothing uh, spookier than when you go to a school that's just like on top of a mountain, like 15 minutes away from the nearest <laughs> civilization, and uh-huh. then the power goes out, and you're like, oh, that's kind of that's kind of weird, and then uh-huh. you go, and then like you check your phone, and there's no signal, and you're like, oh, that's kind of not good, and then you walk outside <laughs> in the hallway with everybody else who's like, so. What do we do now that it's it's the oh no it's it's the nighttime outside what do we do <laughs> yeah, it's, We're on it's, a mountain always... without signal this is like a horror movie <laughs> Right right I it, it does it does make you wonder just like hmm has the world ended I don't know it could have like it, it very well could have just ended and I wouldn't I wouldn't be any the wiser because I don't have the internet anymore yeah, it was crazy yeah. because since we didn't have data or um since we yeah, since we didn't have any kind of internet, um we were still able to text in some like like kind of like spotty signal. Um right, yeah. so uh we would like t- message our relatives living out of state about the news and if there were any updates on our situation because we couldn't find that ourselves. <laughs> How Unless we connected to the internet medieval. or something. <laughs> yeah. Hmm? I said how yeah. positively medieval. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um we we felt like we bent, went back a little bit to the olden days, but it's also like such a such a first world concern, right? <laughs> like, oh no, we have to find a firewood for our fireplace. <laughs> right. I mean, I I guess so. I I I will say like there is there is something to be said uh, just about like how uh the, this kind of thing is going to become more and more common um, to the point where, like, places like Texas will have to start preparing for, for winter storms, like how California every year now has to prepare for fire season. Right. Um, it is one of the unfortunate side effects of uh, the entire planet climate being changed. Yeah, it was so incredible that you know how Texas politics are oh that, my god oh my god yeah 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 <laughs> that uh holy people were using the winter storm as uh an excuse to advocate for against green energy and green power saying that uh this wouldn't have happened if the wind turbines weren't shut down due to the ice even though oh green energy makes up such a tiny proportion tiny percentage of uh the the power the the power generation in texas um and (laughs) it's just wild to me 
And then people with actual common sense were like, no, actually, this happened because you guys don't use enough green energy to support your power grid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the thing is that, like, it, we, we, in, in certain ways, we really did dodge a bullet that, that it only lasted for, like, a week. Like, mm -hmm. the power outages could have, according to reports, have easily, like, knocked something really important out and just, like, blacked out for, like, weeks. Oh, yeah. So. They were, um, uh, I have some friends who work, like, in the hospital district, and they were saying that they literally had to uh, move patients to different hospitals because they're, they weren't able to access clean water anymore. They ran out. Oh right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because they, you know, they would, they have their own generators and everything, so they're able to keep the hospital running. But they literally, because the water treatment plants were shut down, they didn't have clean water. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's that's the other thing, right? Is um, there was there was a uh, some somebody showed like a Facebook post from like a a Texas mayor who was like. I don't think the government should be giving handouts like electricity and running water. Oh, yeah. and, and it's like, <laughs> yeah. it is incredible just how quickly <laughs> Texas pivoted from like, you know, relatively normal place, you know, give or take, uh, to Mad Max. It was so fast. It was like the turn from, from just like, ah, uh, you know, government handouts, like people shouldn't be on welfare, to... <laughs> Do not, my friends, become addicted to water. It will take <laughs> hold of you and you will resent its absence. It is absolutely... Well, I should say it's shocking. It's not really shocking. Um, this is this is always the kind of end goal of, like, people who are like, you know, uh, welfare is bad. You should never oh, yeah. get help from the government, right? The the yeah. end goal is, is always just, like, this weird uh, kind of... Um, like anarcho-libertarian uh, position where it's like the government shouldn't give you anything except for, you know, they have to maintain the roads and all that. Like, you know, people never really mm -hmm. kind of consider all of the, the social goods that happen that our entire societies like rely upon and that there maybe that there's like a reason that for, uh, you know, the last like 300 or so years, we've all organized under like huge governments or or whatever, right? It's... You know, the it's a sad state to be in. Um, I gotta say, when it's a it's a little depressing when when you have to sit there and just explain to people like, no, like people people should have water. That's not a handout. <laughs> like what wh what are you talking about? Yeah, like, it was very what? it was like a very much a like get it yourself, do it yourself. Don't expect other people to don't don't rely on other people and whine about it kind of mentality right and it's like are, like are you really gonna sit here and say that about water <laughs> uh, idk man <laughs> I, I, I don't know it's just i swear the 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 amount of of brain power that goes into like like these leaps of logic is just astounding sometimes mm -hmm. yep it's it's so much well, anyway, <laughs> um, yeah. So that's all I've been up to. Thankfully, things are back to normal. I'm I'm back at work and everything, and uh, the roads are clear. the The weather has warmed up to seventy. So, <laughs> yeah, that's that's, yeah. that's good. That's nice. Yeah. 
That's nice. <laughs> it was actually really warm here today for seemingly no reason. It was like suddenly 80 degrees, which is mm-hmm. uh, bizarre and a little out of season um, because last night it was like 42 degrees. So like we're just getting this like 38 degree like change from day to day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's fun. California. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not like we live in like extreme conditions. It's just weird how often it like fluctuates that much, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but hey, uh, weird weather fluctuations is better than everything being on fire, which is what we have to look forward to in you know a couple of months. That'll be <laughs> exciting season. as always. Yeah, now Texas has to worry about the winter, whereas California, actually, the entire West Coast really has to worry about the summertime. Uh, mm-hmm. like this, uh, what is it? The, the past sort of year, um, Oregon and Seattle also had their kind of like hellscape fires. So, oh God. Yeah. No, nobody's really safe, uh, yeah. on, on this, on this, this year coast. But then again, no one's really safe anywhere in the country. You know, you, you got, uh, freak polar vortexes, um, and oh, hurricanes yeah. and stuff, <laughs> uh, yeah. People in people on the East Coast gotta gotta get drowned by hurricanes all the time. I mean it's it's just everything, yeah. huh? Yeah, no, it definitely is. Like literally after California has its fire season, we have our hurricane season. So it's Oh yeah, oh yeah. One one side <laughs> of the country is burning and then when that goes out, the other side of the country is drowning. <laughs> Exciting. And all along <laughs> the way, power companies are doing Literally nothing. Thank you, power <laughs> companies. I love it. <laughs> like, can we talk about how many fires were started by by PG and E just not maintaining their power lines? <laughs> Boy, that's lovely, isn't that? Isn't that super <laughs> fun and great? I wish I wish power were some kind of public utility. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I suppose. I suppose on that note, um, we mm-hmm. can we can go on to talk about the uh, the topic for uh, for today. Heck yeah! Yeah. So this week we'll be talking about uh, panty and stocking with garter belt because ding ding ding! It's episode sixty nine of the podcast. Nice, <laughs> nice, 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 and nice, nice. We're we're uh, recording this in February, so we figured you know valentine's and our 69th episode deserved something along this line something a little <laughs> special for you yeah <laughs> we are the absolute territory podcast that is that all. is true there's a lot of absolute territory <laughs> that goes on in, in the show so, yes panty is talking with garter bolt is a 2010 anime produced by studio gynax you might have heard of them and directed by hiroyuki imaishi you might have heard of him uh, the music is by TCY Force and produced by Taku Takahashi, and um, it's largely written by Teddy Lloyd, mm-hmm. uh, and it follows two angel sisters. Here in the the document, I've wrote an angle. <laughs> I see that it's <laughs> as they work to defeat demons in order to earn enough heaven coins to be admitted back into heaven. Um, so, for context, Hiroyuki Imaishi is the director who uh, uh, at Gainax was the director for. You know, both Panty and Stocking and uh, Tengentapa Gurren Lagan. And he later broke off uh, to create Studio Trigger, where he created Kill a Kill and Promare. So um, that should give you kind of an idea of what this show is like. <laughs> sure does. <laughs> yeah. So Imaishi um, has 
like you can kind of tell when something is is like by Imaishi. Um, oh because yeah, there is um there are some pretty clear markers of mm-hmm. of what he wants to say, and it's it's interesting too because like I think they get the I think the um the the social criticisms uh, get a little bit sharper with with each one, and because like Tang like Gurren Lagann is like this very straightforward like um like you know uh overcoming despair uh fighting back against um you know entropy uh it's essentially like this this battle between like freedom and and order right um of like the restraint of authoritarianism of a safe comfortable you know authoritarianism and a sort of revolutionary uh changing freedom that really mm-hmm. like you don't know what it holds um mm-hmm. And it it might very well end up destroying the world, or it it might be the thing that saves it. Right? That's kind right. of the crux of um. It's it's the crux of of, of Imaishi's kind of body of work, mm-hmm. and you you can kind of see it in Panty and Stocking because you have uh the angels who don't act like angels at all. Uh, I mean they're they're technically fallen angels, but they're still angels and they still wield heavenly power. And literally their weapons are are undergarments. Yeah. <laughs> right um and they're they're this like super chaotic force that is primarily um antagonized by uh by by like devils who are all about you know order and restraint and like you know uh controlling people right so the central conflict is the same and uh it's this is something that i think um is it comes to a head in in Kill a Kill. I think Kill a Kill is probably the the piece, is is probably Imaishi's work that deals with this the most explicitly and uh, most pointedly. But mm-hmm. um, you can definitely still see it in in Panting Stocking, even though you can tell like this show is one hundred percent made for basically fun, right? It's it's basically. <laughs> A, yeah. a fun project for everyone involved from start to finish. Um, there are, it's like very raunchy, very irreverent, lots of very crude jokes. It's, um, it's, it doesn't take itself that seriously uh, at all. And yeah, it definitely felt like, um, they just kind of took the reins and were just like, we're going to make whatever the heck we want and right. you'll watch it or you won't. And that's it. <laughs> I, I actually, it's funny because I actually really like the um, the kind of uh, if you look at the background stuff of how this this show was created, the the um, after the production of uh, Gurren Lagann, the team went on vacation and then they got drunk and were like, "All right, this is what we should do for our next anime," and they uh-huh. basically hashed out all of all of the concepts <laughs> for Penny and Stocking, and they're like, "We want to do like we want to do like a, a raunchy, irreverent show." uh based you know kind of on like american sort of uh american animation um as a, as a body of work which i mean you can obviously see from from the art style you know it's it's oh, very yeah, definitely. it's very like powerpuff girls like yes. you know, um lots it, of very hard shapes right yeah no it definitely feels like um if you mashed gandy tartakovsky style with trigger and right. I only say that because it looks very reminiscent of like early two thousands Cartoon Network, yeah, but with yeah, all yeah, of the sure. anime isms. 
Right. Well, it looks it looks a lot like Powerpuff Girls. It looks a lot like you know like Ren and Stimpy and and those kinds of shows. And that's clearly where they were the taking the like animation um, inspiration from. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's it's good too because Imaishi is probably. Um, I mean, really, Studio Trigger has a style that doesn't look quite like any other anime. Um, mm-hmm. The way that it moves is so bouncy and energetic in, in a way that isn't really replicable by, by other studios. Um, largely, um, Imaishi's work tends to look like this. Um, Yoyo Shinari's work looks a lot like this as well. Um, mm. you, can, you can tell um, if you look at, you know, um, scenes that he has, like, personally kind of keyframed in uh, Little Witch Academia. Like, you can... You can tell that these two people have like are at like the top of their game in terms right. of uh, of what what they're doing, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's really cool though because um, a lot of their inspiration does come from uh, you know Western animation, um, and seeing that kind of like cross pollination is is always like really cool to see. Um, obviously, like you know we got stuff like uh, like the Teen Titans show, um, mm-hmm. you know the old one, not the new one, and. Uh, <laughs> Like obviously Avatar: The Last Airbender, right? Yeah. So we we got those kinds of things, and uh, Japan looked at us, and we're like, "Oh, cool! We'll make panty and stocking." <laughs> this um, is probably I don't know. It it feels like the most like I feel like you could show this to someone from like you know America or like a Western audience, and they would be convinced that it was made over here. Um, yeah, 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 definitely. Um, I, I will say, um, it's it is also very funny though because um, it seems to have picked up another thing from um, kind of American animation, which is that Panty and Stocking is like one. Obviously, it's, it's because it's a show that was uh, clearly made for fun. Um, but like, it has it's so chock full of like pop culture references, um, mm-hmm. both Japanese pop culture references and like. Uh, like international ones like mm-hmm. there are references to a ton of movies um, yeah like mm-hmm. back to the future there's some references to like some like avant-garde like french films um mm-hmm. there's like there's references to like uh english bands um english as in like uk not not as in like speaking english though they do speak english right mm-hmm. so you can um you can tell that they they were just kind of like yeah, fuck it. Let's do let's do whatever we want. Um, and yeah. it, it was very funny though because if you look at the um the background materials, um th- when w- w- when they decided to do it, they're like, hmm, we want to do something like we want to do something a little cheeky. But if we're gonna do it, we're gonna do it wholeheartedly. We're gonna commit to it. Yeah, but, like, they leaned into it super hard. <laughs> but it's so funny because they sound so humble when they do it. They're just like, we'll just we'll give it our best go. You know, we will commit to it wholeheartedly, and we will do our best. And then this show comes out, and you're like, oh, okay, all right, I see. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's it's very funny though because like um the thing about Panty and Stocking is uh I would say that it is far and away one of the anime that has the most distinctive uh styles to it. Um some people mm-hmm. some people will say it's like style over substance, which I don't necessarily um agree with because uh you know, it's ki- it is kind of the nature of like an episodic show to not be as like like deeply engaging i suppose you could say as a um you know uh as a purely narrative like you know uh storytelling uh show but i think it it's really uh, effective at conveying like style as substance like Mm -hmm. 
a lot of what you're you're watching with Panty and Stocking is is just like the production team, right? Like it it kind of wears everything on its sleeves, right? It doesn't really hold anything back, which is pretty characteristic of like Imaishi and like, you know, um Gynex Trigger's work in general. But like the fact that they um at the at the like title card of every episode or like um sometimes because they they have the the split episodes um at the start of every like split episode they're like they show you the title card which is a reference to a movie um the name is a reference to a movie the the typography is usually a reference to a movie or like a movie poster uh and then they tell you who directed uh who wrote the screenplay for and uh who uh like keyframed it so that's actually I think really cool. Like they they yeah. tell you upfront like who everybody involved in in the process was, and mm-hmm. every episode is as a result a little different. Yeah. Sometimes a lot of different. <laughs> yeah, I still remember the goddamn salary man episode. That was like yeah, yeah, the yeah, most different. <laughs> it felt like <laughs> yeah. Um, if you do if you do any reading about the subject, um, because uh, people people think it's like uh, it looks kind of like um, like Satoshi Kon's work. Um, mm. which yeah, I, I to a certain extent, I would I would definitely agree. Um, if you look at uh what they kind of said about the that episode in in particular though, um. I think they uh, a, a certain director who directed it um was somebody who uh was uh somebody who like had directed a previous anime in like the 90s or something that uh was very kind of like cutting edge like avant-garde uh that people felt kind of mixed feelings about as with anything that is is kind of like not immediately approachable right mm-hmm. and I think they were just being a little little bit cheeky with it because um specifically uh they received a lot of backlash for one of the episodes of Gurren Lagann because it um it was directed by somebody else like the the art director was somebody else um and as a result it looks you know slightly worse than some of the other episodes and uh i i guess they were trying to get that reaction but on purpose oh <laughs> is is what i've i've read at any rate that's what a quick wikipedia crawl tells me <laughs> i see yeah. I mean, I, I will say, like, it's... Panty and Stocking is, like, a treat for the eyes and the ears. Um, yeah. And while it might not have, like, a lot to say, necessarily, um, I, I do think that there... If you look, you can see the bones of what eventually became Kill a Kill. Um, oh, and, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And there is there is an entire discussion to be had um, about Kill a Kill specifically as... Um, as both representative of, of Imaishi's work, but also as a really, really effective metaphor for um, like authoritarianism versus versus freedom, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm not going to dwell on this. I'm not going to dwell on this too long. Um, there is a video by Michael Saba that covers this uh, quite extensively in a way that is better than I could put together. But essentially, like you know, kill a kill, and I. Um, and this I this I didn't realize because it, it's been a really long time since I've I've watched it. Probably when it came out, and it came out in like twenty thirteen, so that was like eight years ago, right? So the thing about Kill a Kill is that it is it draws a line, right? A a connecting line between fascism and fashion because it's one, it's wordplay, but also like you know the the idea of uh, fashion as as a part of fascism is is true right the mm-hmm. fact that um 
the the power of uh, of like fascism largely comes from aesthetics, right? Um, you know, people like Coco Chanel were like were were people who designed things for Nazis, right? Mm-hmm. So there is there's a real kind of history to be um, reckoned with there, and specifically in a Japanese context, um, if you look at the uh, the uniforms of of Japanese students, right? The the kind of like gakuran and the sailor uniform, they're based on military uniforms. So right. mm-hmm. there's this idea that the um, the military coding of the history of Japan is seeded into the very institutions of youth where they where they you know grow up and and learn to to become people, right? So mm-hmm. um, that is what Kill a Kill is about, and you get a little bit of that. You see the seeds of that in um, in Panty and Socking, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The idea that their their undergarments are are weapons that they use to fight demons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely um, the series plays a lot with the different statements that it makes verse um, by expressing it with clothing, um, and then mm-hmm. you get to see that in full force with Kill a Kill. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I do like that actually about Panty and Stocking is that they mm-hmm. they all wear like different clothes from day to day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, except for the characters that like don't really, and they usually have reasons for like, um, like you have a uh, brief who doesn't really care about like fashion because he just wants to be a nerd. Um, you have uh, Garter Belt who is, yeah, <laughs> uh, you want to, you want to be Ghostbuster. Uh, you have like Garter Belt who is dressed yeah. as a priest every day and like mm-hmm. the, um, uh, God, what? What are what are what are their collective names? The like two demon sisters. I think they're just the Damon sisters or whatever. The Damon sisters are uh, they're always dressed in in their school uniforms, which mm-hmm. I think I think is kind of where like where you can see that the seed of Kill a Kill, right? This line between like you know military aestheticism and school uniforms and mm-hmm. authoritarianism on the whole, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I think that's really cool. I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The <laughs> Animation is really good in this show. I mean, oh man, like it's stunning. <laughs> as as with anything that that like Imeishi works on, um, a lot of care is taken to make sure that uh, when when there is spectacle, there is spectacle. Um, it's funny because you can you can really easily tell when um when they take the uh the scenes into like three D space and when they're like you know working in in three D. Um, mm-hmm. But it's so seamlessly integrated into the world um, in in a way that looks great, and it's something that um, comes back if you watch Promare. A lot of scenes in Promare oh, yeah. are like this too, right? Mm-hmm. So, like the fact that the the city is kind of like this, like really super flat, like two D uh, rendering of a city, like like we get in like um, you know an American cartoon like the Powerpuff Girls. Um, mm-hmm. But then it's also rendered in 3D, so we can like zoom over the top of it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seva, uh, never been shy about integrating 3D um, with his 2D elements, but in a really nice, seamless way that you don't mind that it's there, even if you notice it. Right. Uh, yeah. 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 He, he's rather impeccable with it. <laughs> On that note, I also like that. I also like that when the ghosts die when they are defeated, they they have a three D model that explodes. Oh, like it's, oh, a, that... like, like it's a tokusatsu <laughs> <Yeah>. show. <laughs> Which is it's, it's funny. It's crazy. 
how many art styles they use in panty and stocking. But also, you see it in Promare, too. They used a ton of different art styles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's also funny because, like, um, as, as like, uh, funny as it is to have, like, 3D models of all of the... Um, like like recorded 3D models of of the uh of, of the ghosts right being mm-hmm. exploded um it's funny but it's also like it it also kind of makes sense for what kind of show it is because really if you think about it it is like a magical girl tokusatsu show yeah yeah <laughs> right like it's a, it's a monster of the week show it is 100% yeah <laughs> And it it is actually um on on that note it's it's interesting to me because um Panty and Stocking as a magical girl show is something that I hadn't really considered a lot of um but it's it's kind of sticking with me now it's shockingly I- fitting right i mean especially um given the fact that a lot of the children in the universe worship Panty and Stocking especially right. young girls like, you know, maybe some of the dads aren't happy that their girls are dressing up like panty or whatever, but <laughs> it's, uh, it makes sense that, like, they're the superheroes, um, within that universe that it, they could maybe be considered, like, magical girls, you know, they're... Right. Well... They're angels. <laughs> well, it's funny because, like, the, um, the like you can see what uh what the like effect of of panty and stocking on on other people is like like you can see uh the way that uh people who uh, are in the spotlight are um like have an effect upon upon other people right like the the idea that magical girls are for impressionable young young girls is very fitting for the genre because um generally speaking the genre has historically been about um a, has been a way for uh, to make like young women conform to to you know societal standards right right that's mm-hmm. it's um it's just one of those things that you kind of come across when you read about like the context of magical girls as as a genre in japan mm-hmm. and it's it's interesting because um i was thinking about this kind of thing very recently because i was uh mostly because i was like you know, watching uh, those episodes of Wonder Egg Priority, which um, I cannot wait until the end of the season. I cannot wait until we talk about Wonder Egg Priority. Holy shit, I have so much to say about Wonder Egg Priority. Um, but needless to say, like, um, in 10 years, right? Because uh, Panty and Stocking, I believe, came out in, uh, I think, like, 2009. Uh, no, wait, 2010, 2010. I, I wrote it right here in, in, the, in the document, right? <laughs> Um, Penny Stocking came out in 2010, um, and it's, it's kind of in that, like, Bayonetta era where, like, characters are, um, or at the very least, um, there, there is a string of characters that are kind of, like, irreverently sexual in, mm-hmm. in a way that, um, is meant to be, you know, somewhat empowering. And right. it, like, while there are definitely criticisms that, you know, you can level at that, right? Like, the fact that, well, I mean, they're not, like, real people. They don't get to make choices about um, about their bodies because they're they're not real people, right? They're mostly just made by, like, horny guys to, to be uh, <laughs> objects of sexual desire. Um, right. I mean, there is something to be said about 
the context of it being within um, in Japan, which is a highly conservative country, mm-hmm. um, arguably even more so than than ours. Which I mean, to be fair, that's our fault. We did that. I mean, we we might have we might have done a little bit of uh, the, um, the United States of America might have done a little bit of um, work to make sure that leftism never really took off in Japan. Um, but anyway, that that aside, uh-huh. like <laughs> it. Um, there, there is something to be said about uh, specifically in the magical girl genre, um, having your magical girls both be adult women and be um, like not role models, really, right? They're not meant to be role models. They're they're kind of like bad people, I guess yeah. you could say, right? <laughs> um, yeah. But like the fact that they are not like super respectable, even though they're angels, right? They're they're not like um mm-hmm. upright like uh outstanding members of of society right. they right. like curse and and swear and and do like all kinds of terrible selfish things and they like you know one of them is is out like fucking constantly right it's not a great <laughs> yeah. example except for your children yeah just kidding maybe it is i don't know like <laughs> It's, but at the very least, it's, it's not something that most parents would be like, oh yeah, that's, that's what my children should, should be like looking up to. Um, and one is like gorging herself on sweets all the time, right? Like these things are like, they are people who live, um, like the angels are characters that live by their vices, right? They, they live to, and it's funny because, because they kind of like, they kind of represent the, the like two of the seven deadly sins, right? You have gluttony yes, and yes. lust, right? <laughs> Um, but at the same time, you know, those are, those are the titular characters. Those are the people that we're, that we're rooting for. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. there's, uh, like at, at the end of the day, like those are the people who come to save the day. Um, yeah. And and that's why it, it feels less of like, um, we're passing judgment on anyone who doesn't agree with our ideals and more of a, well, sometimes you just gotta accept people for who they are and you gotta accept yourself for who you are. Right. And then maybe you get angel powers and you save the day. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I but, also uh, yeah. I also mm-hmm. just like um I like in the final episode when uh Panty is like at at Granny's house and and Granny gets like shot and she's just like just live as selfishly as you you want. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Someone else will fix it. <laughs> and it's 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 kind of like it's a very funny joke because all the while in the background, like Sam is like a zombie. His brains yes. are falling out, and he's shooting progressively larger <laughs> amounts of bullets. Like, and and yet, right? There's kind of something to be said about like the the um, lesson that women should be allowed to live selfishly, right? Yeah, especially right. in a highly patriarchal country like the United States of America. Or mm-hmm. Japan, right? Mm-hmm. The idea that a a woman can live selfishly for herself and her desires instead of like, you know, for the the whims and, or benefit of like the men around her, like that's actually not maybe the worst lesson to give right. somebody. Actually, right. Um, yep. and I I also like that like the show cracks a lot of jokes about you know how how sexual uh, Panty is, but at the same time it doesn't pass judgment on her ever really right it's never just like oh you shouldn't go around like sleeping with a bunch of people like characters will like make jokes about it or brief will be like well you should only you should only love one person that's that's just how it works right (laughs) um but uh but at the end of the day like uh 
Pandy literally loses her ability to be an angel once she regains her virginity, right? There's <laughs> there's something about the fact that like when when she um has those like constraints put upon her, um, which is and and like this is the thing about virginity, right? Virginity is is like a social construct. We made it up. We invented it, right? <laughs> and so it's kind of interesting because there's like this maybe maybe um you can read into this that like there there is something to be said about like this man-made construct constricting the divine power of an angel like i that i don't think that's too much of a stretch to like talk about right mm-hmm. um yeah. and 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 like just kind of all around like it it lets its characters breathe it lets them do yeah. whatever they want and mm-hmm. you know despite the fact that they get into a lot of trouble and they do a lot of things that trouble other people like they're still the main characters and they're still the people that you're supposed to be rooting for and you know by the end you you still are (laughs) yeah i mean they the show lets them cause a lot of trouble but it also lets them pay the price for a lot of trouble that they make or lets them you know, clean out their mess in whatever way they choose to, or they leave the mess, and then right. that's, the world carries on. <laughs> yeah, and it's not like it's not like uh, like the Panty Stocking is not a show where characters like learn lessons and grow as people. Really, it's right. like it's a fun, <laughs> raucous like ride yeah. through, uh, yeah. like just a, an absolute roller coaster of whatever the hell is happening at any given moment, which is mm-hmm. it's pretty fun. Um, and the animation reflects this, right? It goes a lot of different places, and when it wants to be, it's, like, super cool and energetic. You have these, like, transformation sequences, and all around everything is... I mean, it's 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 just kind of a lot of fun, right? Yeah. And there's something to be said about that that amount of, of just kind of irreverent fun that you can you can have watching something. It's, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um... <laughs> I will say that some of the um this is interesting actually. Um so I did want to give a special shout out to the the dub of uh Panty and Stocking because it is probably the best anime dub um like the the best uh, English anime dub ever probably. Mm. Um I would argue that it might even be it might even rival or be better than the original Japanese dub. Um I Ooh. watched the I watched the Japanese dub this time around. Um I usually flip-flop on which one I want to watch. So I watched an episode or two of 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 both and then decided, well I'm going to listen to the Japanese version because that's, you know, the way that they created it. But I mean, this this is a show that's really kind of meant to be translated and dubbed. Um and they did such a good job casting and uh and and like directing the the voice actors because nice. like they have such a good time with it and it it really fits, right? Because mm-hmm. it's it's meant to be like crass and uh not very elegant and you know they, they're <laughs> swearing all the time they they talk they talk like people who you should never let around your children um yeah so yeah uh, i mean they they swear in english in the japanese what dub the fuck? <laughs> yeah ab- absolutely they yeah it it is it is a joy uh, in English just as long as you're not listening to it with anybody around you. Actually, you you shouldn't do that in either dub because it's just it's a lot of sounds that will make people question what you're doing. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, I imagine that the voice actors would have had fun with this one because it's probably quite different than what they usually get from 
anime. And oh, whatnot. oh yeah, oh yeah. It's <laughs> you can tell like the the dub has so much like energy in it. It's, yeah, it's so good and <laughs> and like this is this is like a and I, I don't want to I don't want to make any like super generalized statements, but I, anime dubbing has gotten a lot lot better in the last mm-hmm. couple years yeah. mm-hmm. and it um because like God like it it just. If you ever go back and you watch the original dub of Full Metal Alchemist, like the the original one, not Brotherhood, it's mm-hmm. um like <laughs> it's, it's fine. okay, it's all right, it's fine, <laughs> right? But like the market difference between that and Brotherhood, uh, it by itself is like is is pretty big. Um, sure, but like you know, compared to compared to that, like anything that came out in the last like three years will just like blow it out of the water. Oh yeah. And, and there's absolutely. no contest. And mm-hmm. yet Panny and Stockings dub still holds up because it's mm-hmm. so good. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's just made to be dubbed, really. Yeah. Like realistically speaking. Right. Um I mean obviously that and like there's just kind of the low key thing where where it's just like you you cannot replicate like um the way that uh that garter belt talks in Japanese, right? Like he has a certain way of talking in Japanese, but like when you when you hear the when you hear the dub, you're like, okay, yeah, this was as intended. Like it's like when um there was a mangaka who uh wrote a manga, and I don't remember which one it is. I think it was a pretty well known one, but she made it and she was like, oh. I was imagining the entire time writing this that the um, the voice actor for this this boy, one of the love interests, was uh, Takehito Koyasu, who is the voice actor who plays Dio. <laughs> right. So like it's kind of, it's kind of like that where sometimes you make something and you're you're definitely you're definitely just like I have something in mind, right? Uh-huh. And given the amount of of uh references that are to like western media in in panty and stocking like 100 percent garter belt was made with a certain kind of like samuel l jackson archetype in mind <laughs> actually probably that exact archetype now that i think it's probably I, I exactly so, yeah uh, probably exactly they 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 saw they saw like samuel l jackson in like pulp fiction and were just like i want to make that character <laughs> <laughs> but a priest make him a priest yeah no i i would believe it <laughs> Yeah, it's some things you just can't substitute. Like they just don't translate, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's just how it is. It's just how it is. Um, but yeah, on the on the subject of uh, the sound design, actually, the sound design is really good in this show. Um, the oh, music yeah. is um, I don't know how to put this lightly, um, but <laughs> the music fucking bangs. <laughs> I like. I am not kidding when I say that Pantheon Stock with Garbelt has one of the best, if not the best, anime soundtrack of all time. It's not <laughs> even close. Like, there there are shows with really great scores. There are shows with, like, really great music, but there's nothing that sounds like Pantheon Stocking. Because I, yeah, it's it's kind of shocking because you would look at the style of panty and stocking, and you would look and you'd see the content, read what it's about, and I I I feel like I would have a hard time trying to imagine what type of music would go perfectly with this animation, and yet what I got while listening to the soundtrack and and watching the animation was even better than I could have possibly imagined. 
it's so fun to listen to and it works so perfectly with the animation. Yeah, yeah. It's and the thing is too, it's um so probably probably why it doesn't sound like anything uh, else is because of the very like unique way it was um it was written, I guess, or or produced rather, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um so it is by um so it's produced by Taku Takahashi who is um one of the members of M-Flow, which is where the singer Lisa came from. Um mm-hmm. you might know her. She's super famous now. <laughs> Um, she's she's the person who did the first opening for Demon Slayer, um, amongst right. a lot of other openings for a super big budget anime, right? Right. Um, so, yeah. So basically, he has um, so Taku Takahashi has uh, like two record labels, and um, one of them is like uh, I, I yeah, one of them I think is called like TCY Force, um, which is which is who produced this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the musicians who worked on the soundtrack for Panty and Stocking are, are dance artists and musicians that Takahashi found through MySpace music. <laughs> the layers which is, run deep. Which, which is fucking awesome, by the way. <laughs> that's, so, that's so great. But it, it's like, it legitimately doesn't sound like anything else, right? Because like... These are ostensibly like indie musicians. Um, right. They just happen to be working in a style that we wouldn't traditionally associate with indie in in the West. We kind of associate indie music with like soft, sad boy coffee vibes. Right? <laughs> whereas, uh, whereas in Japan, a lot of like indie music is like hip hop and stuff. Right? It's uh-huh. like rap. It's like mm. the SoundCloud rapper is like a bigger thing in Japan. They just like rap on the street corner or whatever. Um, but like, yeah, and. The music has a certain energy to it that doesn't immediately sound like what you would expect, but is perfect. It fits perfectly, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like how um, there are certain songs that don't fit, like, um, in the context of, uh, of, like, the time period of a piece, but are absolutely perfect for that piece, right? Like this kind of mm-hmm. anachronistic music storytelling, right? Sure. Um, the funnily enough, the uh, uh, the show Bridgerton does this by oh, taking, yeah, it does, yeah, mm-hmm. by taking. I, have you watched Bridgerton? I know people who have watched it and they talk to me about it extensively. And okay, all I, right, I've heard what they did with the soundtrack with the yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> modern or like orchestral like, remixes of uh, co- or of covers like, of modern day songs of like pop music in a yeah, period yeah. drama. <laughs> It was, it's, it's very funny. It's very funny. But like, you know, that, that kind of thing where, um, sometimes a song is just perfect, even though it wouldn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, it just, it just fits. And this soundtrack, I swear to God goes so hard. It's all like really great. It, it all fucking slaps. Like you could listen to this every day for the rest of your life and, and it would like not be enough. Like this, the soundtrack is so, so, so good. And it's, it's iconic too, right? Like the opening, um, the, uh, the, the ending song. I actually really love the ending song. I Um, love the ending. Yeah. Uh, it has such a a different energy that really complements. Like it, it feels like, well, it feels like the difference between like our podcast, right? If you listen to our opening and then our ending, they're very different kind of moods. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's because you know the opening is supposed to be energetic, it's supposed to get you hyped up for for the stuff that's happening, and then you have the ending song where you you fade out into the the softness or, or yeah, whatever, you kind of right? wind down. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a, it's like wind down stuff, and mm-hmm. like it's um. 
it's 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 fun, right? Um, like you have uh, what's it called? Um, the the like the fly away song that plays when they they transform. I love the, the fly Wolverine. away song. It's so good. Uh, <laughs> they have the uh, they have um, what's it called? Uh, what's his face? Briefs. They have briefs theme. Cherry boy riot, which is yeah. Mm, mm-hmm. It's such a good piece of music. Like it slaps. <laughs> I wish I could go about all of my entire day just listening and, like, having that play in the background. Like, that's just- I just want to feel like that all the time. (laughs) Teddy boy. (laughs) Yeah, so the music is largely written uh, by Teddy Lloyd, who, um, if you've heard that name before, um, he's he's a big- he's a big music um, guy now. But, like, um, he did the uh, Me, Me, Me uh, song, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's very indicative of like his style of music. It oh, yeah. fucking mm-hmm. slaps. <laughs> God, yep, yep. so good. <laughs> it's so 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 good. Like it, this is just one of those things where like when you have something that is made like more or less purely out of out of passion with no regard for profits whatsoever. Because like God knows if they were ever gonna make a dime off of this show. Like it it's like way too raunchy for like primetime television right like you would have so much trouble like selling um like merchandise for it like all that kind of stuff like the reach of it is inherently a lot smaller than like a big uh a big like broad appeal show uh, Mm -hmm. like gurren lagan right but they had so much fun with it that you really like you just can't you just wish there was more stuff out there like this that doesn't like it throws all caution to the wind like takes off all its restraints and just goes for it and i i just wish more pieces of media in general did that and i wish more animated that specifically like everything trigger puts out is feels like that right where mm. it feels like this is like animators making what they want to animate and yeah. that's a yeah. good feeling to watch it is such a good feeling to watch it's it's an entirely different quality than what you would expect from something that is, uh, I don't know, that's that's really, really, I don't know how to say this, <laughs> by, I guess, like, a huge studio where they kind of just have giant teams that well, yeah, like- make this thing. It, it, there's a lot of, like, heart and passion that you can feel from every scene that they animate in this kind of thing. Well, I mean, it's just it's just the the idea that corporate media has no soul, right? <laughs> there like, is a soul within this piece of work. <laughs> right, well, like, which isn't to say that like things can't you know be good or meaningful if they come from from corporate places, but right. it it is to say that like there is a marked difference between when the people working on a project are able to do what they want to do and yeah. when they're not. Right. Like there yeah. is um, if you look at, uh, for instance, the difference between um, the original Beauty and the Beast uh, animated movie and the live action movie, you can see the uh, difference. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> you can see the difference of of like, you know, what people would consider like Renaissance era Disney and like what what they wanted to do and the way that they they tell stories. And it's very sharp the way that they they are able to um to tell that story uh, especially through music and and like pace the way it is animated the way it is everything feels like it comes together 
as a cohesive work that people wanted to work on. Whereas the the Beauty and the Beast live action movie kind of feels just like a cash-in. It doesn't feel like anybody really wants to be there or do anything. <laughs> and you can feel you can feel just yeah. how bloated the the production team for that is. Right? Right. Yeah, yeah. hundred percent. You can so sense many it. Right, mm-hmm. there's you can tell that there's so many people working on it with like so invisibly and with such yeah. like mm-hmm. with with such restrictions right. on what they're allowed to do that right. there is like no life in the film whatsoever. Yeah, and that's not to say, of course, that a big project with a lot of people can't have a soul and whatever that everyone puts their all into whatever piece that they're uh, responsible for. But yeah, it's especially as an artist or someone who writes or creates media, you can tell when um, your fellow media maker or creator is able to stretch their wings and kind of relieve that pressure on, off of themselves and make something that they truly love and have fun with. Um, it's like very validating in a way that they can make something so good while having like, almost complete creative freedom because generally with something like this you you worry that uh the imperfections might you know crowd out the things that you really love about the project you know it's not highly produced by corporate overlords or whatever that know exactly how to tap into the minds of their audiences and you know or Mm -hmm. they at least presume to do so yeah Um, yeah and so when you make something as organic as this that that you know that you'll like, but you don't know whether your audience will like, that can be very worrisome. But they made it anyway, and they put it out anyway, and people really, really loved it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, you can even see this in in anime, right? If you look, mm-hmm. like there are shows, like slews of shows that come out every season that are clearly meant to generate interest for the manga and and pretty much nothing else right like mm-hmm. i mean actually a lot of anime nowadays kind of feels more like that than not but like sure the the idea that um that that like a an anime doesn't have to be like good or necessarily or like great necessarily but like it just has to be an anime um is kind of the attitude I feel like coming from a, a lot of, uh, especially a lot of adaptations, um, mm, especially right. if any of the myriad isekai shows that have been coming out lately, <laughs> right? Or like, even if even if the art is is like good or fine, and even if the animation is good or fine, there is like it just feels so indistinct. I mean, like. Not in small part because obviously the plot lines all, uh, can get a, a very indistinct and like kind of blend together, mm-hmm. um, but also just because like the people working on them are probably like super crunched animators who are outsourced oh, and yeah. don't make enough to like you know yeah. eat food. So mm-hmm. like I don't really blame people for not like putting passion into their work, especially when at the end of the day. It's one hundred percent. This is like a, uh, a like a uh, a management thing, right? Right. Like yeah. the reason Trigger Works feels so good is because they care a lot about uh, making sure that artists can make the art that they want to, and not necessarily 
making as much money as humanly possible because yeah. Studio yeah. Studio Trigger is kind of it's funny though because like Studio Trigger is kind of like the 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 studio of the people in a sense right yeah like mm-hmm. they make a lot of weirder kind of off kilter stuff uh their animation always looks really really good they you know sometimes take a risk and it doesn't pan out um they make sure. a lot of stuff that is just kind of at its core very fun and and irreverent right and if you look at the way that studio trigger is is like monetized that ex- explains a lot about it right where their first kind of um uh, piece was was Little Witch Academia, and they essentially kickstarted and like a movie, a second movie, right? Um, yeah, and ever since Studio Trigger has been um, in in like a small, in at least in small part, funded by uh, by anime consumers directly, right? They have a Patreon; you can sign up for their Patreon, right? Yeah, yeah, they and- right. I I they have been one of the studios that not only embraces different types of creativity the most openly, but also it feels like they have like a real read on their audience and right. they're, they're a lot more open about their process than a lot of yeah, other yeah. studios are like they live stream on Twitch. Yeah. They, they, they stream on Twitch. <laughs> yeah. Like the art director for uh brave new animal was, was somebody who is not natively Japanese. Right. Right. Uh, and I don't even know if she lives in, in Japan. <laughs> I don't think so. Right? I think she lives in California, so. if I'm not, if I, I'm I, not mistaken. I think she's, yeah, I think she's from California. And, like, it's really cool when a studio is willing to take those kinds of risks. Like, Panty and Stocking, as kind of uh, raunchy and, uh, like, potentially problematic and, like, irreverent as it is, like, it is a risk to make a show like that. Right. Oh, yeah. Especially yeah. for a for a Japanese audience, a largely Japanese audience. Right. You yeah. don't know how it's going to be received. You don't. You don't even know if you're going to be able to air it on television. Really. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so like it it is a risk, right? It, it's an artistic mm-hmm. risk that they took, and and it pans out in some ways, and maybe doesn't pan out in other ways. But you can see all of the pieces of like you know um, the history of like uh, Imaishi's work. And the um, kind of progression onwards from there in in Panty and Stocking, like you can see where Imaishi grows as a director and it and as a storyteller, mm-hmm. and it's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yep, I I do appreciate them for taking risks um, and just seeing how it pans out and whether it's positive or negative. And it's hard to fault a studio for that when they're doing it obviously out of good intentions and and just trying to. Uh, have fun with the work um, or celebrate the story in the best way that they feel is appropriate. Um, like we, um, <laughs> like we've talked about endless eights being you know, <laughs> okay. a huge risk, yeah. but right. you know, we respect them for committing to it. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Different I mean, studio, obviously, but yeah, like, I, 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 I will of, respect the studio general, for trying. I would say. Yeah, given given the the sort of history of it being aired in like uh, or, or created in weird orders, <laughs> and then aired in other orders afterwards. So yeah, it's um, but I gotta say, like when you have a show that is like uh, when you have shows nowadays that are like so well produced and polished, uh, but don't really feel like 
they have anyone making any decisions about anything. Um, it, <laughs> right. It, you kind of miss you kind of miss the days. Like it was it was kind of fun when yeah. when Haruhi was like, ah, yeah, eight weeks of the same episode. <laughs> How about you? <ya?" laughs> right. <laughs> Which isn't to say that there aren't studios like doing that nowadays. Um, like God <laughs> God knows, um, God knows that the, the the promised Neverland is in a lot of hot water right now with anime fans for uh, evidently uh, like deviating quite significantly from the manga. <laughs> But like, you know, um, that's just it's just one of those things like when when you make something, um, even if it is a, a derivative work, when when it's an adaptation of something like you, I, I in my opinion, you should be willing to, to take artistic risks in order to create something that is, you know, a its own thing. Right. It's mm-hmm. not just like a a. a male angler fish attached fused to the body of like a female one right <laughs> what? Like, do you not know about this didn't you learn about this when we watched that episode of heaven's design team the like the male angler fish like bites onto the female angler fish and then melts its own mouth and becomes an organ oh it yeah that's- <laughs> yeah it doesn't even <laughs> continue to exist as as a separate being it just becomes a sack of testicles for the female to use whenever she wishes I purged that from my memory. And now you brought it back. <laughs> it's a fun fact. There's a great, there's a great it's Zay Frank video about it. It is not fun. <laughs> That's great. I don't know what you mean. It's one of the. It's the funnest of facts. Listen, plenty of animals died during intercourse. No. It's just more convenient that way. <laughs> Right. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I I like uh I I like the the way that the that the panty and stocking is is produced. It's it's very cool. I mean, I yeah. have a soft spot for anything that is like very unique in its own right. Um, this is obviously very unique in its own right. There's nothing else quite like it. Like mm-hmm. you won't you won't find anything else like this unless you look to other trigger works, and even those aren't quite like this. But like, you know. It's it's just very fun. I will say, um, Panty and Stocking also does a, a, a it pulls a very cool trick um, that I, I've talked about before. Where when you have such a raucous and chaotic show um, that doesn't really care about anything, uh, the moments that it kind of z- it slows down and zooms in on something are moments that actually hit surprisingly well, right? Um, Mm-hmm. Like there is that episode where uh stalking like falls in love with a ghost and yeah. that entire episode you're like what is happening what's what's the point of this <laughs> right you're like why why is it like this this guy sucks <laughs> yeah. um but by the but by the end like in the very kind of last couple moments you're like oh wait actually that that's that's kind of nice <laughs> yeah. Like it, it it actually like turns this entire episode, which by until now has pretty much just been like one big running joke into like a moment of sincerity. And you're like, oh, wait. (laughs) Oh, oh, how about that? (laughs) And and like they play the music and they play the scene so completely straight. And yeah. like Panty is there, like what is happening? But, like <laughs> you know, uh, the other two characters in the scene, like Stocking and and the guy, uh, the ghost, are like taking it completely seriously, and you can't help but but sit there and be a little bit like, like oh, 
yeah, kind of. <laughs> you know, it's kind of odd. But, like, I mean, this comes back later, too, right? Where um, the slower scenes where, uh, like, Panty um, doesn't really have her powers anymore, and uh, she is kind of learning to, uh, like, in, in a sense, kind of learning to appreciate, like, uh, Brief, who has always been there for her. Um, like, those, those scenes also are kind of nice, where you're like, Oh, it's like a it's like a soft like oasis. It's like it's like a spot of respite um, mm-hmm. in in what is otherwise an incredibly chaotic show, and it it makes everything afterwards feel like it's accelerating even faster, right? It's this um, it's actually this this uh, thing that they do in music, uh, musical specifically, where if a song is already really fast, they'll like slow down for a couple notes. Uh, so that they can make the next part of the song feel even faster. So mm-hmm. that's that's off. That's what it feels like to me with with Panty and Stocking, um, with the last like two episodes where there's like this like small scene where like um, or like there's this like slow soft scene where like uh, you know they're actually like talking to each other and they're like looking at each other like they're seeing each other for like kind of the first time and and then everything that happens afterwards is absolute chaos. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That feels very trigger. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. One hundred percent. It's very trigger. Like, there's always, there's always just like the little lull, and then just, all right, gun it, blast it. <laughs> Too much lull. <laughs> yep. 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 Um. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's 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 just it's just very like um every piece of it um in the last like the last two episodes are actually astoundingly well put together too as like yeah. a um. As kind of a, a an ex- a mini example of what a trigger show looks like, where like you can trace the the entire like three act structure throughout the last like two episodes of Panty and Stocking. It's actually really funny. <laughs> the trigger act structure. <laughs> right. Exactly. And like, it's funny because like, uh, it's not a lot of time, right? It's the two episodes to tell essentially the entire story of Panty and Stocking. Right, the entire like main <laughs> plotline of Panty and Stocking they just tell in two episodes, but at the same time they spent eleven other episodes building up to it by by building attachment um, to these characters and sure. and as a result they, it, it allows that last like uh, set of episodes to work. It allows them to land. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's kind of a, a great example of like a way that you can turn a comedy into like a drama and mm-hmm. um, obviously like. It's not going to look exactly like that. Nothing can look exactly like this. Like, this is bonkers. <laughs> but, like, it, it, it's, pretty, it's pretty good, like, general structure advice, right? If you spend some time building someone's attachment to, to characters, and it's pretty easy for these characters, too, because they're also distinctive, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they're very distinctive. They, they have, like, um, they're, like, three character traits, that are that like there are like three really big character traits walking around in like in like a trench coat at all times, right? Like <laughs> each character is, right? It's it's like yeah. you can tell immediately what, what the characters uh are are there for, what they're like, you know, what they want. And um that is kind of that's kind of enough, right? The biggest problem with a lot of uh series is that they don't effectively build their characters. Um mm-hmm. you kind of <laughs> 
like it's this is the main character syndrome right like anime main character syndrome <laughs> where like your character is literally nothing right he's a he's a mannequin upon which young boys may project themselves on because they like right. titties right? right so like the problem there is then it's very difficult to feel um any sort of attachment to to that character as a character um you're only ever getting like secondhand attachment to the other characters through through your projection and mm-hmm. oftentimes if you kind of fail the first step of building your main character you it you can have a hard time with the other characters and mm-hmm. that's how i feel a lot where like if i don't like um if i cannot get invested in something it is because i just cannot stand the characters because they're either nothing or they're like terrible like actively <laughs> bad right and <laughs> Both are not ideal, right? You ideally would like people to like your characters or at least be, like, pleasantly disgusted. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, if you're going to build, sure. a, a like, an antihero-type character or, like, somebody who you're not supposed to root for really, like, they want you want them to be pleasantly disgusting, <laughs> in, in my opinion. Yeah, you don't want them to, to completely turn you away because, you know, then what's the point? <laughs> right, right. You like you don't want to be to be like ah yes I kick the elderly and I murder puppies right. all the time I do nothing else but do but do that just all the time that's my only hobby right I exist to make other people bad all the time only right. murder right that's that's like nothing that that doesn't give me anything I'm just like I don't I don't I don't care. <laughs> But if you're like, ah, yes, here's here's a villain, and they're evil because they really just want to be evil, you're like, okay, 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 oh hell yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a there's a there's a certain like you want them to be disgusting, like pleasantly disgusting. <laughs> it's a fine line to be pleasantly but, disgusting, yes. right? <laughs> I I want a character who like lives as disastrously as possible, possibly completely on purpose, right? <laughs> yeah, like, sure. even if a character is, like, a bad person, like, you know, you don't want them to be, like, completely 100% unsympathetic. Um, I guess it, it's a little, like, uh, I mean, that, yeah, it's... It's it's a little hard to describe because like you just don't want someone to be like one hundred percent morally reprehensible. You want somebody to be like bad and like offensive, but in ways that are um not enough to like one hundred percent turn you off. Right. Um, speaking of speaking of it's it's funny because um I was talking about the era of the the anime earlier. Like twenty ten was was kind of a weird time for um like twenty ten twenty eleven. A lot of really good anime came out. Um, mm. In fact, a lot of people would cite like 2011 as like probably the the like one big year of anime in in uh, the kind of like first 12 or so years of the 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 20th century, I guess, um, mm-hmm. or the 21st century, I think. Um, but like 2011 is when when a lot of uh, really big shows came out, um, and it 2010 was okay. 2010 was was it was an interesting year. I will say that the dub is really good for panty and stocking. Um, uh-huh. But reading through the subtitles, um, especially on the 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 uh, version that I, I I watched on Funimation, um, 
<laughs> some of them are pretty rough. Some of the subtitles are pretty rough. There's some oh. content. There's some content that uh, I really wish they hadn't translated a certain way. Mm. Um, there, there are more slurs than I would have liked. <laughs> I see. <laughs> yeah, it's. It's like some of the stuff I don't think has aged particularly well. Um, a lot of painting stocking, I think, is fine still, right? Some of it hasn't aged particularly well. Like there's some, there's some kind of, um, there's some like Catholic priesty kind of like jokes about like oh, Gumberbell being That's like what, kind exactly of a sexual, what I was I was like, the like a sexual part... deviant, sexual predator, right. which is like kind of uncomfortable. Right. Um, <laughs> like, uh, like just, just kind of how, uh, how invested he is in in like younger younger men is uh like a, it's a little uncomfortable especially yes. given that he's like the one like black character in the show you're like right oh, i really wish you hadn't done that one i really wish you hadn't done that one um yeah there's a lot of ways that they translate certain words uh that in 2010 uh were technically perfectly acceptable i'm not gonna i'm not gonna excuse it Right. Um, it was just the norm back then, but also sure. like, it still sucks. Right. Like there's some instances where they uh, translate some of them as like uh, the F slur for gay people or the <laughs> R slur. Right. It's like there are there are certain phrases that they use that I, I like just don't really agree with uh, as, as a translation thing. Actually, this was a I, I don't know if you remember this um or how much, like, I, I imagine you must have read a lot of scanlated manga in, in your day, Renu. But, like, sure. um, I, read a, I read a shit ton. Probably, like, 80% <laughs> of the manga I've ever read has been, has been like, uh, translated in, like, before, I would say, like, 2014, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. um, there was a, a certain habit of, uh, like, really injecting um, American, like, early knots, uh, kind of early tens. Uh, American dialect decisions, I sure, yeah, or, or cultural, um, yeah, artifacts such as just just saying the R slur all the time. Like, obviously, we as a society have moved past that well and beyond. I would hope. Dot. Not everyone. Dot. dot. <laughs> but it's not a word that like we we use anymore, even in a medical sense, right? Even medical professionals frown upon the use of of that word. So like, right. don't don't fucking use it, Jesus, right? And so like watching an anime from 2010 where they're like, ah yeah, this this this, you're like, painful, right? It's kind of like watching, um, it's like looking back at your your younger, edgier self who <laughs> like didn't know anything about anything and was like, oh, I hate everyone equally, uh, you know, like I, all of humanity is it sucks equally, like we I don't care about racism or whatever, right? Like that kind of stuff. <laughs> Right. Like it. It's like just calm down. Right. A lot yeah. of scanlated, a lot of, of translations in um, like from to 2000 to like 2013, I would say, probably uh, largely featured heavy use of the R slur. Anytime sure. anybody was like, aho or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. The way that they. They exacerbate it sometimes, like yeah, the, it's the, like from the Japanese word, chill. like right, yeah, exactly. Like they'll they'll make into a full on like cussing session, even though when you're listening to the Japanese words, it's like, well, they're not saying that much, you know. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. And and like part of it is comes down to just the fact that like um it's just a, a way people misunderstand translation um because they look at the words that are being said and they're like, well, they, these are like the analogs in um in English or like American English because for instance, like these words don't seem like they're that offensive, but in Japanese they're really offensive because people don't really use them, right? It's a it's a politer society. But there's also kind of just like generally speaking the context of how a character is is speaking like the way the, the reason panty and stockings dub works really well is because even though they swear all the time like they're they're dirty mouth cussing angels and that's kind of established from the very beginning um, right mm-hmm. and so the translation works there but like mm-hmm. it just takes you it really takes you out of it when you're reading like a manga and somebody says like fuck more than once in in like a volume right yeah, you're yeah, like I'd say so. like when you read like oh motherfucker you fucking fuck you're like oh this was definitely translated by somebody with some ideas. Yeah, they. I I mean I see it nowadays too with like like scanlations haven't changed like all that much in terms of that that level of interpretation. Like I think they've gotten markedly better, but I still see it crop up every now and then. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, and I think that's just gonna happen, and and the whole like. The usage well, of slurs and whatnot is just going to happen when you ugh. look at older media, too. You know, it, like yeah, yeah, like yeah. they're not going to retranslate <laughs> and like re re subtitle. Uh, Correct. A, a yeah. Piece from twenty ten. <laughs> I get that, right? Yeah. Um, it's it, the thing is to me like there are points where it is appropriate to to use uh use those words um because you know. The way that people talk in Japan, we should just compare to the way that people talk here, right? It conveys the same ideas. But when you use them a little bit too liberally, when you use, like, swear words specifically a little bit too liberally, it really takes you out of it. Because, and mm-hmm. and this is the thing, is, like, if you look at, like, movie scripts, people don't really do that unless they're trying to go for a very specific vibe, right? Right, like, yeah. Like yeah. Wolf of Wall Street or, or like, um, if, you're, if you're, you know, uh, watching a movie about, like, college students. College students love to swear. Sure. I mean, which isn't, which isn't to say that I don't love to swear. I do love to swear. I swear all the time. I swear all the time. I swear all I the time on the you, podcast. Yeah, you tried to not swear on the podcast, and literally in the opening, you swore. Like, oh my god, really? <laughs> yeah. There was like one that. episode where you tried not to, and then and then as you were doing the introduction, you swore, and it's like... <laughs> wow, 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 wow. Yeah. No, I I, uh, I I do I do love me some swears. I used to be much worse. I used to be much worse. Me in high school was like the oh god. Good. Me in high school, I used to swear all the time. <laughs> Personally, now I think it's funnier if you if you leave swearing to the moments when it would it would be the best, right? Mm-hmm. I I think it's it's best for extra emphasis. <laughs> it's more it's more special if you save them. Yeah, like uh. Um, what was it? The bench anime when he breaks out the English. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. <laughs> I mean, I say that like I haven't sweared a bunch in this episode specifically. I have. Oh boy, I know I have. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh Yeah, so uh I mean clo- like I I don't know if you have anything else to say about it. Uh it's pan stalking. Um 
given like the content, it may not be for everyone because, like we said, it's extremely raunchy and oh, very don't watch sexual. this. Yeah, don't watch this with your parents around. Yeah. Um. But if you are fine with that kind of stuff, like there's like a lot of toilet humor and and that kind of thing too. If you're fine with that kind of stuff, you can find comedic value in it. Then I would highly recommend watching Panty and Stocking. Yeah, if you love yeah. animation. I would highly recommend that you watch Panty and Stocking. Don't um, watch and Panty course, and Stocking while you're eating. Oh, <laughs> there yeah. are there are three <laughs> different episodes about bodily excrements. Yeah, and more more about toilets. Yeah, the the toilet episodes. Like, I'm not a huge fan of you know that kind of content, but I still got through them because I like the show overall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's a very charming show overall. Um, yeah. It's it's funny though because like the thing about panty and stocking to me um as a uh as kind of like an ad- like I guess what you would call like an adult animation um mm. which is which is not like when I say that I don't mean like a a pornographic animation though there is a lot of sex um right. but as as a um as an adult animation uh cuz like in in the west we kind of have this context of adult animation as well it's like children's cartoons but lots of of sex jokes right? right like we kind of we kind of think of like a uh, family guy and like you know seth MacFarlane's sort of uh gaggle of of uh animated television spawn uh-huh. um <laughs> but panty and stocking i think does it in a way that is fun it's like consistently funnier mm-hmm. and not quite as mean spirited i feel um it it often feels like the the humor is coming from places that is not necessarily at the expense of of like other people especially like marginalized people um, oh yeah where yeah, yeah. a lot mm-hmm. of adult animation in the west does feel that way it feels very mm-hmm. mean-spirited lena stuff like yeah. south park obviously um, right. is like the biggest defender of this but like Pain and Stocking doesn't feel that way, even though it takes a lot of inspiration from those animations. Like, there are scenes that look like certain shows. There are scenes that look like uh, South Park, for instance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's very chock full of references, too. So if you're, like, well-versed in, like, cinema, um, it's, it's a good time, honestly. It's, it's pretty fun. Uh, yeah. You're like, oh, it's just, like, there's an episode where they get, de- they get defended in court by a monkey. yeah (laughs) there's a zombie episode there's a zombie episode um yeah 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 yeah. um i think like a sort of floating stuff that i never really got to mention um i like that uh they're the sort of present theme of like uh bondage and um and kind of sexuality as uh sort of metaphor to understand like divinity and and devilry is is kind of cool i like that garter belt is a character who is really into like bondage but being bondaged um because he's because he's like a priest right it's like the it's like the kind of like christian thing of like you know you must take suffering upon yourself that's that's the Mm -hmm. way of the world it's the way of christ um right but he derives pleasure from it <laughs> but he derives pleasure from it obviously so like you have this yeah. kind of twisted sense of of it but at the same time um the sort of central antagonist corset is a character who is um who does the restraining and is also restrained right mm-hmm. so like you have a character who is like imposing order upon other people but that order is also controlling him 
Um, and I think that's a really cool thing because it's essentially a way of, of tying both a character's like themes and character design into the larger themes of the show um, in a way sure. that is that feels very organic and that you see come up again in um, in Kill a Kill um, mm-hmm. in Kill a Kill specifically, right? So all of that very cool. I like that a lot. I like that. I like that. Um, as as with anything, um, if if somebody tells you that something is like style over substance, you really have to like double take to make sure that's that's the truth because in the case of uh of a lot of anime and gynax slash trigger work specifically the style is the substance like you really have to pay attention to the like visual details you're getting to like kind of understand um but like yeah uh i think that's it i think that's all i have to say yeah i would uh wrap it up there i guess okay cool 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 um so who are you where can we find you on the internet who am i i am renu also known as swan you can find me on instagram at swan.drawn you can find me on twitter twitch tumblr all that at swan drawn um i'm still uh doing commission work and art and stuff um stream every friday night so if you want to come over you can hang we can hang out we can chit chat as i like get distracted with conversations and chat and fail to draw oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah that's, that's me what about you <laughs> you can find me all the places at literal soup um i have been streaming obviously uh it's Neat mostly what i do on the internet nowadays um i have been going through the i finished dark souls 3 but there's dlc left so we're gonna do the dlc for dark souls 3 um we did one of them we did the ashes of ariandel dlc and we are now on the ringed city dlc and once i finish that i'm gonna take a a, a couple weeks off of streaming uh and then come back with yakuza kiwami 2 um Every Saturday at 8 p.m. PST, you can see Renu and I playing Ace Attorney. We are almost done with the first game, uh, which is which is very exciting. I really hope we can finish it before I, I leave, <laughs> um, so that we're we're not stuck in a situation where like I just have to spend a couple of weeks and then like come back and like we don't remember any facts about the case. Oh God, it's gonna be a nightmare. Oh God, that would be horrible. That would be that would be a nightmare, right? I'm yeah. basically gone for the month of March, so. Uh, you know, uh, it, it's going to be it's going to be interesting, um, both for this and the podcast and all the work that I have to do. Um, but yeah, that's it. Um, that's where you can find me. At. That's what I do. Um, I have a I have a discord for my stream, actually. So if you want to you know, come hang out uh, and, and chat, um, it mostly just houses the emotes, which I've uh, uploaded duplicates of so that you can use them even if you're not a, a subscriber. Um I, I will put a link to the Discord uh, in in the um the you know like thing of the of the podcast thing, uh, the <laughs> description. <laughs> I'll put it in the link dump. Um and yeah yeah yeah. So if I have any kind of pressing announcements to make about streams, I will I will put them there because I realized there was no real place for me to do so because my Twitter is so full of shit posting that like. <laughs> there's just nothing there's no room it would get lost immediately so like i there's i had to i had to do something so i, I made a little um i made a server for it uh which is right. where you can go to find out stuff about that um anyway that's where you can find me Woo. that's what i'm doing other mm-hmm. than existing and i guess you know 
playing Apex Legends. Apex Legends is very fun. The new season has been really, really fun. Nice. Yep. Okay. Well, uh, in that case, uh, how about we wrap up here? Yeah. So, our opening is by Scott 2 Network and our ending is by Takamakata. And the patrons we are thanking this week are Evan Williams, Magpie Mirror Test, Cherubel, Shondao, Frostfall, Claire West, Undead Uncanny, and Dylan Boats. Thank you so much for your support. Yay! We Thank couldn't make you. the podcast without you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Ariga thank you. <laughs> thank you very much, you. <laughs> Ariga thank you. <laughs> Ariga, thank you very much. (laughs) Okay, well, we will see you next time. See you next time. Tá, né?